Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad to share the next few minutes with you today. I'm all about you succeeding in life and growing in your relationship with Jesus. At Valley View Friends Church, we like to say this about who we are and what we're trying to do. We're learning how to live as God's people, and we do this by reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. Now, today's message is a simple one about God's generosity and our gratitude for that generosity. Now, if you want to receive what God has for you, you need to practice gratitude. Our main scripture text is found in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Well, one day a mother wanted to teach her daughter a lesson on giving, and she gave the little girl a $1 bill and a $5 bill for church. Put whichever one you want in the collection plate and keep the other one for yourself, she told the little girl. When they were coming out of church, the mother asked her daughter which amount she had given. Well, said the little girl, I was going to give the $5. But just before the collection, the man in the pulpit said that we should all be cheerful givers. And I knew I'd be a lot more cheerful if I gave $1. So I did. (laughs) I think we can all relate to moments like that. We all want to be happy. We all want to do things that benefit ourselves. I get that. And today, we're going to look at a parable of Jesus that on the surface looks like it's about giving. But it's really about the state of the human heart. It's really about our gratitude and how that can position us to understand and receive what God is doing. In Jesus' parable, the state of the human heart is described by attitudes. There's entitlement, there's personal justice, there's selfishness, run free. And so the workers in our story, they're unable to realize the blessing of the landowner, landowner. If trust and gratitude were allowed to take center stage in our story, the result would have been much different. Here's a big idea for you to grab on for today. Gratitude makes all the difference. Gratitude makes all the difference. A lack of gratitude closes you off from the blessings of God, and it closes you off from the best relationships in life. But embracing gratitude opens the doorway to really receiving the good that God intends for you, and it opens the doorway to some of the best friendships and relationships you can ever have in life. So let's go to the text and read it now so we can get the story in our minds and think about gratitude and how it's on display and think about generosity and how it's on display in the story. So we're going to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, reading verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them to his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever's right. So they went. He went out out again at noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around, and he asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. 
When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, "Call the first workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the la- call the workers. I'm sorry, and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more." But each one of them also received a denarius, and when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last only worked one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I will, if I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I gave you, I can." Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious of the one because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Jesus' parable describes a very common situation in Palestine. There are certain times of year when extra workers would be needed because the load of work to be done was just tremendous. And the grape harvest was one such time. And that harvest, it happens in September, the same time you're hearing this message, hopefully, or at least when we posted it. The grapes, they ripen in September and they must be harvested before the September rains fall. If the harvest is not completed before those rains, the the crop will be lost. So the grape harvest is a race against the weather. It's also a race against time. And the landowner going out to hire workers five times in the same day is a depiction of urgency. The grapes must be harvested. I've got to get more workers. That's the image you should be getting in the story. Now, the workers standing at the town square, that's also a common sight and situation. These were the most common of laborers. Uh, they usually did the, the lowest jobs, and they did not have guaranteed employment, but they went every day to the marketplace to be available for hire. I can do odd jobs, just take me. Often they brought their own personal tools with them. The standard payment through the whole Roman Empire for these sorts of laborers was a single silver denarius, a coin, often with the head of the Roman emperor printed upon it. This was enough. This was enough to pay the expenses for one day. This would buy food and fuel and a few other necessities. It was a good wage. It wasn't a wage to build a whole life on, but it was enough. It took care of a person and their family. Now, throughout the story, there's time mentioned, and the Jewish day was marked and started at 6 a.m. and ended at uh, 6 p.m. Actually, they said the next day started at 6 p.m., but they they marked the working day, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. It was normal to divide that day into three-hour increments, and so the landowner goes out at the start of the day, 6 a.m., to hire workers. Realizing he needed some more, he goes out again at the first three-hour increment, 9 a.m., and then again at the next three-hour increment, noon, and then 3 p.m. Finally, still needing workers to bring in the harvest, he's desperate, he goes out at the 11th hour. Yeah, that's where we get the phrase from. It truly is the last minute, and he hires the final workers. Everything about this story is really normal. The original listeners would have gone, yeah, we get this situation. It's totally, it happens all the time in Israel. Everything is normal, except 
how the landowner pays the workers. He pays the workers who worked only one hour a full denarius, a full day's pay. In other words, he pays them a whole lot for one hour's worth of work. And then he also pays the workers who worked 12 hours one denarius, a one day's pay. He pays all the workers for a full day's work, regardless of whether or not they worked a full day. And therein lies the problem. All the workers, <clears throat> excuse me, hired from first to last, they all needed the work. They needed the pay. And getting a job that day was not guaranteed, but the compensation is not what they expected. Because everybody's paid the same regardless of how much work they did. And so jealousy and entitlement and perhaps a sense of some sort of personal justice creeps in. I mean, how would you feel? Oh, it's not fair. I worked longer. I worked harder. We never like that in our own jobs if we have to work harder and longer than others and we get paid the same. They don't deserve it. I deserve more. I imagine that those workers who are hired at the beginning of the day, you know, they might have, some of them might have been doing a little math and said, well, if they got paid one day's pay for one hour, maybe I'll get 12 days pay. That might be a little absurd for them to think that, but they, they certainly felt they deserved more because they certainly felt they did more. It is these sorts of moments that the state of our heart is revealed. Trust gratitude, they will shine and they will become a doorway to blessing and relationships. Entitlement and selfishness, they'll destroy blessing and relationships. This is not a parable about salvation, at least not directly. It is a parable about the grace of God, his generosity. And it's a parable about his generosity, his grace versus human gratitude. God's grace is a truly wonderful, generous gift. And gratitude allows us to become receptive to that gift. So let's talk about grace, or at least God's generosity in terms of grace. Because the landowner is gracious. He's generous with all of his workers. This is most obvious concerning the workers who are hired for just one hour of work. They would have been standing in the marketplace watching others purchase. I mean, think about it. 5 p.m. when those last workers get hired, they're in the marketplace. They're probably watching others finish up their day and those others using their day's pay to purchase food for dinner. And, And those workers who hadn't been hired yet, they don't have much hope that they'll be able to buy food for that day. They they probably were thinking they're going to go home with nothing, but they are hired at the 11th hour. The landowner will pay them what he feels is right. That's the agreement. And they probably figure out it's not going to be much, but it's better than nothing. And maybe I'll get a good rapport with this landowner. Maybe he'll hire me tomorrow. And miracle of miracle, they are paid a full day's wage. And I need you to picture a father standing in the marketplace going, I need to make money for my family today. And now, because of the blessing of the landowner, he can take care of his family. What a gift. Fear and anxiety lifted off in one hour's worth of work. And the same is true of all the other workers. And that, that includes those that agreed to work at 6 a.m. If the landowner had not hired any of them, they would have nothing. All that the landowner gives is 
a gift, and that is true of God as well. He is represented by the landowner in the story. He gives life, and he gives salvation freely to all who would believe. We cannot earn it. We cannot deserve it. We cannot prove our worth for it after we've gotten it. It's just his gift. And we need to understand it, whether we've worked our whole lives like the ones hired at 6 a.m. or whether we've entered at the 11th hour. It's all a gift. Brennan Manning writes these words, My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ, and I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. That is his deepest awareness of himself, and it would be good for us to be aware of ourselves that way, too. We are loved by Jesus deeply, and there's nothing we have done to earn it or deserve it. And in this way, the story is about salvation. It is God's free gift to all, and it is available to all, no matter if you've accepted his gift as a young child or after years of avoiding Jesus. Even in the 11th hour, his salvation is a gracious gift for you if you would receive it. I would encourage you to receive Jesus today. Even more, the person who receives in the 11th hour is just as precious as the one who's lived their whole life for Jesus. And that's something we need to realize. There's no super Christians and there are no second class citizens in heaven. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you get all of his blessings and benefit, all of his salvation. He doesn't just give you a taste. He gives you the full portion. This is why Jesus says the last will be first and the first shall be last. He's mixing up the economy of how we think things should work. And he says, I am generous with my salvation. It is for all who would receive. The ones who showed up first, they don't get up more of a portion. Everyone gets salvation. Everyone gets the blessing of God if they would receive Jesus. You know, Jesus is actually repeating himself when he says the last will be first and the first will be last. He's he's repeating himself because back in Matthew 1927, Peter, he's exasperated and he's he's making remarks about how much of a sacrifice he's made to follow Jesus. We can go there. Matthew 1927 says, and Peter answered him, meaning Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? He's, Peter's saying, I've made a big sacrifice to follow you. Aren't I going to get something great? He feels like he's done a lot for the reward of heaven. And Jesus reminds him that all who call him Lord will have a place in heaven. And so Jesus says there in Matthew 19.30, But many who are first shall be last, and many who are last shall be first. In other words, we don't earn our place in salvation. It's freely given, and none of us can deserve it. Randy Alcorn writes this about grace recounting a moment he had at a conference. And he says this, Before I spoke at the conference, a soloist sang one of my favorite songs, Amazing Grace. It was beautiful until she got to the tenth word. And it goes like this, the singer sang, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a soul like me. Randy Alcorn writes, My heart sank. The word wretch had been edited out. I thought about John Newton, the songwriter of Amazing Grace, this former slave trader, guilty of the vilest sins, knew that he was a wretch, and that's what made God's grace so amazing, mind-boggling, knocked-down awesome. If we're nothing more than just morally neutral souls, do you see what that does? It guts grace. 
because we are all wretches. We are all last in line. And yet God gives us generously his grace for salvation. We need to see that. We need to understand that. And when we do, or to do that best, we express gratitude. And so I want to talk about gratitude now. Robert Louis Stevenson writes this about gratitude. The man who forgets to be thankful has fallen asleep in life. I want to repeat that. The man who forgets to be thankful has fallen asleep in life. And you do not want to fall asleep in life. You do not want to become numb to the blessings of God. And so let's just talk about gratitude really quickly. Gratitude allows you to trust in God's blessing. That's one of the functions it does. When you show gratitude, it allows you to trust, and it allows you to trust God's blessing. The first group of laborers in our story who are upset are different from the rest of the workers. They don't understand how the how precarious their situation is. The other workers realize the gift they've been given. This 11th hour worker, the, the ones that are hired last, they especially know that they've been saved for the day. But the workers hired first, the ones that are hired first thing in the morning, do not understand that their day's pay is a gift. And that's because they place trust in themselves instead of the landowner. There's a very small detail that shows us that their trust was misplaced. The first workers are the only ones that require an agreement of payment and the amount of payment from the landowner. They have a specific term that they want to have met. They say a day's work for a day's pay. Pay us a denarius. Verse 2 tells us that the landowner agrees to pay them a denarius. It's not that he walks up and says, hey, I'll pay you a denarius. They're asking for it. And he agrees. There's a level of debate here. There's a back and forth. They're haggling over price, maybe. And the owner agrees to their price. The workers do not let him set the price as he sees fit. They require a denarius, and that makes a difference. All the other workers, those hired at 9 a.m., at noon, at 3, even 5, let the owner pay them whatever he thinks is right. These other workers, they realize their predicament. As the day ages, urgency grows. They need this pay to buy their daily bread, and they're thinking of what they will likely not be able to provide because they're not going to get a full day pay. So, hey, whatever you think my work is worth, go ahead and pay me that. The result is all the other workers, they are paid with blessing instead of what they think they're worth because they let the landowner decide. Now, think of the workers hired at 6 a.m., the beginning of the day. The worker that makes that deal for a day's wage believes they've just done what is right and due diligence. I'm just doing what everybody does. This is, this is what a good worker does. Their efforts are earning their keep, in other words. These workers trust their own worth more than the generosity of the landowner. I'm not saying, you know, don't do your due diligence at your work. Please do that. But trust the generosity of God. I wonder what would happen if they simply trusted those workers hired at 6 a.m., if they hadn't haggled over the price, if they had simply trusted the generosity of the landowner. They said, hey, you're hiring us at 6 a.m., you pay us whatever you think is right. But we'll never know what that was. They lacked trust. They lacked gratitude. And that gratitude meant they couldn't trust the landowner's generosity. And they didn't see how dangerous their position was. 
they missed the blessing of the landowner. If you only look for blessings that you think you deserve, you will miss the far greater blessings that God has for you. Gratitude makes a big difference. Gratitude amplifies your trust in God. Another thing that gratitude does is gratitude breathes life into your relationships. So the workers hired at the beginning of the day, they lack gratitude. It's pretty obvious. And that destroys their relationship with the landowner and their fellow workers. I mean, you can sense the anger in these workers. You've made them equals to us. Verse 11 tells us they grumble against the landowner. And you cannot grumble about someone without... And let me start this again. You cannot grumble about someone and have a healthy relationship with them. You just can't do it. You've got to get over the grumbling. Verse 12 tells us they separated themselves from the other workers. They're incensed that they would be equals with these latecomers. You can't have a healthy relationship with someone you're saying, they're not equal to me. Verse 13, did you catch how the landowner addresses those first workers? I'm not sure they caught how they were addressed because it's a privileged word. He calls them friend. He didn't say worker, employee, slave, peasant. He calls them friend. And their anger is jeopardizing this wonderful privilege afforded to them by the landowner to be a friend. Now, our denomination, the friends denomination, takes its name from such a privilege that God would call us friends, because we are the friends church, not simply because we're nice and kind, but because Jesus calls his disciples his friends. John fifteen fifteen is one of those key verses where we get our name as a church, where Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father. I have made known to you. What a privilege and gratitude opens the door to that blessing. Gratitude also tames negative attitudes. We need to know that. If you practice gratitude, it will help change the other attitudes in your life. G.K. Chesterton says this, gratitude is the mother of all virtues. And I think there's some truth in that. Jealousy, comparison, pride, and self-centeredness can easily run rampant, but gratitude can tame such attitudes. C.S. Lewis writes in his book, The Screwtape Letters, that gratitude looks to the past and love looks to the present. Fear, avarice, lust, and ambition, they look ahead. Are you letting gratitude change your other passions, your other attitudes in life? Lastly, I would say this about gratitude. Gratitude celebrates when others are blessed. I find saddest of all that the workers who were hired first cannot celebrate that every day laborer in the marketplace that day, every worker got the blessing of a day's wage. Nobody had to go home hungry or empty or with less. Jealousy and pride can kill your ability to rejoice in others' victories. The Christian, above all others, should be one who is joyful about God's blessing of other people. And we should want to bless others with abundance instead of holding God's blessing in our own tight fists. So please, rejoice when others are blessed and trust the generosity of God. Will you practice gratitude? 
will you see the generosity of God? Gratitude will make all the difference. I want to close this time by sharing a prayer with you written by Richard of Chister. I think it's a good little prayer. Thanks be to thee, my Lord Jesus Christ, for all the pains and insults thou hast borne for me, and all the benefits thou hast given me. O merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, grant that I may see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, and follow thee more nearly, day by day. Amen. That's a lovely prayer built out of gratitude for the great gifts of God. Go with Jesus.